I forgot when I introduced myself that I was wearing a mask and you really couldn't see all my face if you want me to put the mask back on. <laughs> You're getting to know me and I'm getting to know you and together you've been learning to get to know and even more Jeremiah. Thought that today and the next couple of weeks we would finish off a consideration of Jeremiah, who he was, what he said, what he did, and what happened to him, because I think we can all relate, and because there's a lot of touch points. But one more thing you need to learn from about me, not only that I need memory foam in my shoes to do the things I need to do, like introduce myself without a mask. I am not a peripatetic preacher. Did you get that? I did not say a very pathetic preacher, although you can decide that for yourself. But I like to stay home with the pulpit and not roam, although maybe from time to time we'll see a little bit of that. But I wish to pray for you this morning and always cover your prayers for me as I think, prepare, and share God's Word. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I want to say a few words, and I want you to think what they may have in common. You don't have to say it out loud, but think about spiders. Think about snakes, big ones, both. How about violent storms? Or when something terrible happens to your child or godchild, your grandchild. Or cancer, whether and especially when it hits home. Roller coasters, a new job, and of course, COVID-19. But that's not all. Think also about the uncertainty the world is bringing to all of us these days and to the tumult and uncertainty of our own country. And then at one more level, yet, St. Michael, in our present circumstance. And I have a hunch that as you think about all those things, and maybe more, the word fear comes to mind. That you are afraid of such things, afraid to one degree or another of such circumstances. And there's many more things to talk about, many more things to consider, but let's say that's enough for now. These things and more are part of everyday life. Sometimes at the very front of our minds, sometimes stuffed down deeply that we don't even recognize that our fears are motivating us and even leading us. We live with those things and we try as best we can to cope with those things and we do so with one level of anxiety or another. All of which is to say that there is a battle going on within us. And it is a battle between faith and fear. With all the other things that we go through day by day, faith and fear stand as opposites and they really are counterparts for us as Christians. It's not just fear, but for us, it also needs to be faith. The two go together for us. It's not enough 
simply to talk about our fears and get them out of our mouth and into conversation. That doesn't solve anything. But for us, whom God has drawn to himself in Jesus, connected us to him, it is faith that needs also to be laid hold of and not just talked about. It's a battle. And so we want to feed our faith and move towards starving our fears. Speaking about fear, we need to deal with it, at least initially. And I found an acrostic that was said to be rather familiar. False evidence appearing real. And that's what a lot of fears are, aren't they? We see things around us, and we come to conclusions based on that evidence, but they aren't really real. They just look like that. There's different kinds of fears. On the one hand, there's that kind of fear that's automatic, that is a reaction, we say, as opposed to a response. A reaction. So if you see a bear in the woods, you don't have to stop and think about Oh, is my life in danger or not? What shall I do? No, the front part of our brain takes care of that. Immediately, a reaction of flight or fight, for instance. Certain part of the brain that's not logical, doesn't need logical, but automatically, right away, immediately responds. And then there's that other kind of fear that looks at evidence that is around us and begins to sort through it and come up with some kind of conclusion. And often, no matter who you are, where you are, how old you are, a lot of times fear results from that. When we think about our children and what they face, sometimes we imagine the worst. And there is false evidence that appears real And we perhaps fret too much, worry too much, and react too much. Or I thought about this relative to my motorcycle riding. A number of years ago, as I rode, I enjoyed, but then I came to the point where I was thinking about how everything could go wrong. Didn't work for me to ride anymore. And even lately, before I gave it up for a second time, I started thinking about deer coming out and crossing the road, and the two of us meet. Wouldn't be a pretty picture. That's the kind of response to such things. And no doubt you've thought about such things like St. Michael, your present situation, a wonderful pastor, an awkward and even heart-rending conclusion for them and for you. And looking at what happened, the fear maybe grew, maybe still growing, still there, and sometimes realistic and sometimes not. That's how fear is, realistic and not. But in either case, you know what happens. Anxiety results to one level or another. Uneasiness, and even sometimes we in our bodies get affected, emotionally or physically. Jeremiah, he can relate, or we can relate to Jeremiah. I know you've been talking 
listening a lot about that prophet of God, but just for a moment step back, big picture, and think about that man. God called him to be his spokesperson. And Jeremiah's body must have quivered at that call. What? Me? Your spokesperson? I'm just a child. Just like Moses and many other leaders that God chose reacted. And then, no doubt, he was afraid to deliver the message that God would give him. Perhaps in advance, certainly along the way. And as that unfolded, he was again and again afraid of being rejected or even ignored the other end of the spectrum, misunderstood, made fun of, and in persecuted in word or in worse ways. Certainly he must have been afraid. You've heard evidence about the consequences that he would face. Punishment, threats to his life, even personal injury. Jeremiah had all those fears, as well as a really big fear that his country would be defeated. I can only imagine how you and I would feel if we entertained the idea that America could be defeated at some point. And for Jeremiah, it was not only that, but the exile that would follow, being taken out of the country, and then the fear about would ever our country be restored. More fears than enough. Just to recognize those few that Jeremiah must have faced helps us, makes us, results in us looking at our own fears. Things that bother us a little or a lot or even increasingly and sometimes even overwhelming us. Then, on top of all the fears, there is that insecurity that hits to this home. Not only whatever insecurities you have in your personal life, in your family life, but in a congregational life, times seem uncertain. And it is, it has been, and perhaps continues to be at one level or another, an emotional time, a time of anxiety. Behind every fear, or what's ahead of every fear is change. Wherever there's change, fear follows inevitably, no matter how big, how little. And our fears hit us, the changes hit us at our Achilles heel. You know about Achilles? That was the weak point for him. And that's exactly where change most disturbs us, most affects us. We can talk about it, we can analyze it, we can share it, but that's really not enough. I'm here to help. I deal with my fears and have others help me with mine. I'm here as your pastor during a time of transition to listen, to help, and in helping primarily, mostly, welcomingly point you to the Word of God again and again. It takes time, but not only time. It takes faith. Faith to face the fears and to work through them. A faith that's properly grounded and well-founded. You know, so often, I guess in decorating these days, you see these little plaques and little uh, things around the house that you can buy in the store. And they'll say things like joy or believe or maybe even one that says faith. A good reminder 
but I guess it's all signs insufficient. When we talk about faith, it's not just, well, I have faith in faith, that there's a silver lining behind every cloud, that sooner or later with time passage, I got to have faith that things will get better. No, for you, for me, we've got something well-founded and well-grounded. That's faith in God. His promises fulfilled. His promises unfolding now. And the promises that are yet to be realized. One of the things that God said to Jeremiah in the midst of such a situation, he said, do not be afraid, for I am with you and I will rescue you. I'm with you. Reminds me of a story about a family getting ready to go on vacation. Mom and dad were busy with all the preparations and bringing things out to the car and packing them in, and they packed in their children, a number of little ones. They went back to the house to get the final things for their trip. And a passerby came, looked at the children, and said, what's going on? And one of the older ones said, we're going on vacation. And the passerby said, well, well, where are you going exactly? And they named the place, but well, where is that? I don't know. They chimed in. Too little to understand the geography. Well, where are you going to eat when you get hungry along the way? Where are you going to stay? And the oldest child finally looked at the stranger and said, you know, we really don't know. I don't know. But I do know that mom and dad will be with us, that we will be with them. And that's the promise that you and I have, a promise that God has given that is unshakable. That is important. That's what faith is. There's an acrostic for that as well. F-A-I-T-H, forsaking all, I take him. You can even say he's with me. That faith in our God. And there's a couple kinds of faith, you understand. There is that faith that leads us to eternity, back to God ultimately. Ephesians chapter 2 puts that so pointedly, for by grace you've been saved. How? Through faith. Through faith, which ensures our everlasting life. And there is that kind of faith that is exercised day by day. It's made clear to Jeremiah in chapter 42, verse 11. It reads like this. 42, verse 11. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, Jeremiah was told, whom you now fear. Do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord, for I am with you and will save you and deliver you from his hands. That's our God. That's our God. He's not forsaken, but he's with us. That gives us opportunity to focus on faith because faith is connected to God. God, who is God over all. Eternal salvation, that's secure. We needn't struggle with that because Jesus has done it all. He's paid the price. We don't have to pay anything. We don't even get a payment book. But faith for today and for tomorrow and the everyday, that's where we have difficulties and that's where the battle is. Our goal is, as the scripture says in 2 Corinthians, to walk by faith and not by sight. Faith walks not by sight. 
Just because we're Christian doesn't mean that we don't have any fears, that we don't have any difficulties. As a matter of fact, it ensures that we do. The devil had hold of us. But through the waters of baptism and through faith enlivened in our hearts, the Lord reclaimed us. But think about this. Because he has, Satan wants to get us again. And so rather than leaving us alone and figuring it's all done, we find attacks by him again and again. And it's a battle. It's a deep battle of the mind. Of the mind, this battle takes place. And in our soul, even deep down in our soul. We need to guard our minds. We can't just float along in life. We need to guard what goes into our head, into our brains. Not be foolish, not just experiment, and not wanting to experience everything just because it's there. But to guard our minds. And then to guard our souls. Because you see, it's more than just a mind control and a mind battle. Ephesians 6 puts it this way. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. That's what faith allows us to see. The problem as well as the solution. This is what someone even close to me has dubbed a kingdom perspective. We see things differently. We see things through the eyes of faith with God in the picture. It reminds me of a story that I think you know well. One place recorded in Mark chapter 4 when Jesus and his disciples wanted to cross over the lake, Sea of Galilee. Hopped in the boat and away they went. But then the storm came. The winds whipped up and so did the waves. Jesus, he was asleep at the back of the boat. Figure that, asleep. But his disciples awakened them and said, don't you care? Don't you care if we drowned? And then Jesus stood up. Remember what he did? He calmed the storm. The wind ceased. The waters became still. And their reaction was, who is this? They said, even the wind and the waves obey him. That Jesus delivered the power of God to the world, to his disciples then and his disciples now. This is the insight of faith, the faith that we hold and share. Now, understand, there's no such thing as a perfect faith. There's no such circumstance when there's no fear in our lives. It happens. We bounce back and forth between the two. And God gives us forgiveness again and again. And with that forgiveness, he now promises strength and power. He gives it to us. Jesus brought that power. And he gave to the Holy Spirit to distribute as he left this world. We're not left alone. He's with us always, Jesus is. And he delivers that power through his Holy Spirit. That's why, as we can remember in Isaiah chapter 43, the words, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. That first fear that needs not be there. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. That's the assurance of faith. It's kind of like the faith 
that has that's been shared 365 times, I've been told, the sentence, fear not, appears in the Bible. I didn't count them, but been told 365. That's one per day. And that's at least as many as we need. And there's many, many more to survive and conquer. Look at these passages. Do not fear the king of Babylon, Jeremiah was told, or whom you are afraid. Do not fear him, declares the Lord, for I'm with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. And make this one your own. Speak it with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Recognize that from Psalm 23. Appropriate not only for funerals, but for life and living. Or the Lord is my life and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You and I can join in the psalmist. Read this one with me. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. Or, remember the Reformation and a mighty fortress. It was this passage that Luther made his own, and we made our own, when we either sing the hymn or read the passage, God is our refuge and our strength and very present health and trouble. Or, join me in this last one. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? I've noted those in the handout that is afforded to you today. Read those things and find strength in them. Faith filled. And you see, we need to be filled again and again so that we can withstand the fears, work our way through those. It's not just a once and done thing. God the Holy Spirit visits us every day. It's kind of like being pregnant, you know. Well, I don't know about being pregnant, except from a bit of a distance with my wife. But I do know that either you are or you're not. Either we have faith or we don't. But even if it's a little, like a mustard seed, Jesus said, we can move mountains as he moves us from fear to faith. Then the question comes, how is that going to happen? Or as Pastor Sean, I've learned, has three questions to help us in such situations. First of all, what? And then, so what? And now what? Well, now what? Number one is to be aware. Aware of fear that it's real, that it does touch us, to admit it, and to know and to be aware that we are in a battle, to know what to be afraid of and what not to be afraid of. And secondly, to look to Jesus with those fears, to hold on to him in faith. And you think about this. God didn't send salvation only from heaven, speak it from a cloud and declare it for all the world. He sent his son, the very son of God, but he also made him a human being. A human being who experienced life, who experienced fears. And he brought us together with a link to heaven and a link to earth. The God-man among us connected us. That's why you at St. Michael talk about connecting people with Jesus. Because he is the connector. 
He's the one who stills our fear and restores our confidence. God abandoned him on the cross when he paid the final price for our sin. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he was forsaken so that you will not be, so that I am not forsaken ever again. To be aware, to look to Jesus and to submit to him, to submit to God. I know, I know Lutherans aren't fond of that word submit, but isn't it true what faith brings us to? To acknowledge Jesus as Lord and as Master, and we as his servant. God our Father, and we his children. We listen, we follow, disciple, to follow. And we remember, we remember not only Jesus, but we remember great examples of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 has a whole chapter about great people of faith and how that faith sustained them, helped them grow, and saw them through. And while Jeremiah isn't on that list, and you and I personally in the Word of God are not on that list, we both can be. We both can be people of faith. The assurance of things hoped for, Hebrews 11, the evidence of things not seen. So how do you bring it all together? There's that ongoing battle between fear and faith, to be sure. And I remember what Billy Graham said. You know, he's a very quotable man of God who was here with us for many years. He said, but, but I know the end of the story. Isn't that great? Spiritually, you and I, we know the end of the story. Psalm 23, through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with us. And ultimately, the coming together is complete. The very end of the story, the beginning of a new story with God forevermore. Faith. Faith is what it is all about ultimately. Or as First John has put it so very, very well. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Read the last part with me. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith. Our faith. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.